The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. 1 Corinthians 3, 15, If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of, our, not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Verse 9. Not of works, lest any man should boast. This morning I want to preach again just for a moment on the characteristics of salvation. Uh, this morning, I believe with all my heart, before you and I, before the church could ever step into the new year, we, all, we, we should always make sure we step in with the right relationship with God. Before we can ever do anything else, before we can ever experience anything else, you and I must make sure without hands down, no shadow of a doubt, that we are in the right relationship with with God. It's more important than anything that we can do. It's more important than anything we can think or say. This morning before you leave here, I want you to know who Jesus Christ is. I don't want you to think of, well, I do know who Jesus is. He is a man that came down from heaven that was born into a manger from a woman named Mary and yet died for the sins of all humanity. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I don't want you to know about Jesus. I want you to know who Jesus is by having a day-to-day -day relationship, by having a day-to-day -day communication with him, seeking his face through his word and through prayer. I want to ask you this question this morning. How? What kind of a relationship do you have? Can you honestly answer that without even thinking? If you have to think about what type of relationship or if you have to remember what kind of relationship, I want to begin to for you to examine your heart and examine your spirit and to think of what kind of relationship do I have with the Lord? Because if we don't have the right relationship with God, we cannot experience all the victories. We cannot experience all the breakthroughs. We can't experience all the promises that this book says we have unless you and I are in the right relationship with the Father. Like last Sunday morning, we talked about how we were stepping out from one year into a new year. We're leaving 2019 behind us, and we are now stepping in to 2020. And how we talked about the things that were in 2019 need to stay back in 2019. Don't let anything from the past year cross over into the new year. And so this morning, I want to go through a few characteristics of what salvation is. Number one, it's a gift. It is a gift to us from God. It is nothing that you and I can obtain ourselves through our own hands, through our own works. It is a gift from God. Romans 11 and 6, And if by grace, then is it no more of works. Otherwise, grace is more grace, but, it, but if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. One of the greatest things you and I can receive from salvation is the gift of grace. Salvation is a gift, but grace itself is a gift unto the believers. 
And to understand what grace is, you and I must understand what the meaning of grace is. Now, grace is God giving you more than you deserve. How many know that we've got the grace of God upon us? Because if you sit there and think just for a minute all the things that you have that you know yourself you do not deserve. It wasn't by happenstance. It was not by luck that you have what you have. It is by the grace of God you have what you have. And you may think, well, what about this situation that I pulled through? What about this situation that I came out of? It, it, it wasn't by luck. And through Scripture and through the, the belief of a Christian, luck does not exist. It's the grace of God that is upon you. Yes, we don't deserve all these things. Yes, we do have these things. But it's because of the grace of God that you and I have this morning what we have. Now, grace is the love that reaches down and rescues us in times of need. Grace is unconditional love towards a person that who does not deserve it. Grace prevents judgment. In grace, God gives nothing less than himself unto you. Grace transforms our desires, our motives, and our behavior. If you truly have the grace of God, it will literally change who you are. God's grace is sufficient in times of need. Grace is a kindness from God that we do not deserve. Grace is undeserved love and favor of God. It is by God's grace and not by our own works, not by our own hands that we are saved. Grace covers all of our mistakes. Grace covers all of our sins. Grace allows us, you and I, to have a fresh start in life. Grace allows hope in a new life. Grace is love at God to be to the unloved. And grace allows eternal life for you and I. Paul in his letter was saying that grace is something that you and I can receive from God this morning. But it's not something that we obtain through our own works and through our own hands. God's grace this morning is him saying that I will give you more than you deserve. I will give you more than you need. Because I have grace upon you. Now let me ask you a quick question. How many times have you found yourself struggling trying to do things in your own power, trying to do things through your own strength, but yet at the end of the day, you find yourself swarming around like a dog chasing his own tail, and you're trying to do all these things in yourself, but come to find out at the end of the day, you're in the same place you started, and you're in a bigger mess than you started with. And when we, all we have to do this morning is understand that God has grace upon our life. And if we will just trust him and him, and the whole time you and I are running around like crazy dogs chasing tails, God is holding in his hand, I have the grace for you. I have in my hand what you need. So if you will stop for a minute and just realize who I am in your life and try to establish the right relationship with me. I have what you need so you don't have to run around searching for it when it's right here. Secondly, not only is salvation a gift, but secondly, it's eternal life. Romans three, Romans 6, 23. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. 1 John 2, 25. And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. And one more. 1 John 5, 13. 
These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know Him that gave you eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now, there are different types of people. Now, going into the new year of 2020, I bet you have sat down and you have thought about the things that you want to accomplish in this new year. Whether it be, I want to get out of debt, or I want to lose a few pounds, or I want to go on more vacations, or I want to be able to spend more time with my family. You have already set your goals in, in 2020 that you want to accomplish. Now, there are some of you here, or some of you that may take life as it comes. You don't really worry about tomorrow. You just take care of what you got to do today, and tomorrow will come when tomorrow comes. Now, but oftentimes, when we go into a new year, and be honest with yourself, don't raise any hands this morning, but I want you to ask yourself, when you begin to think on the things that you are preparing for in the new year, whichever year it may be, how many times have you thought to yourself, I want to draw closer to God? Ask yourself that question. What can I do in the new year that I can draw closer to the Father? What can I do to improve my walk with Him? I want to share with you just for a moment. Now, a majority of us here have smartphones. And so there is a Bible app on the smartphone that is free. And it has a lot of uh, Bible reading plans. It has a lot of uh, different things for studying and all these things. And so my year uh, commitment th for this year is for me to go through the whole entire Bible again. And there's a reading plan that I can go through day by day and read what it tells me to read. And in 365 days in a year, I will read the whole entire Bible. Because that is my commitment to be in the Word even more. Because I have a desire to draw closer to Him. I want to know more about my Jesus. I want to have a more and more in touch relationship with Him. Because now I'm thinking on my eternal life. Have we even thought about where we're going to end up when this day is through? Do we even worry about what tomorrow may hold for our uh, Spirit-filled uh, spirit lives? Not only is it eternal, but it's also forgiveness. Salvation is forgiveness. Acts 13, 38 through 39. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. One of my favorite things I love about salvation is that we can, through salvation, receive forgiveness for the things that we have done prior to knowing Jesus. And also the things that are prior before we came into a relationship, but also the things that we slip and we fall. Because the Bible says, for we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But through salvation, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, you and I have forgiveness for our sins. 
That we can come to God and say, God, forgive me for what I have done. Please wash me with your blood. Please wash me whiter than snow. Forgive me, Lord, for what I've done. But here's the thing. For, for what we do in our lives, the things that we fall into, the traps that we fall into, and through our sins and through our shame and through our guilt that we hold into our hearts, it keeps us from coming back to the Lord. It keeps us from coming into a deeper relationship relationship with God. You may say, well, you just don't know what I've been up to. You just don't know what I have been doing. I I can't come to the Lord. Or a lot of people say, well, I I don't want to give up the certain things. I don't want to give up a few things in my life because I'm not ready to. But I want you this morning, I want you to ask me how much I had to get rid of. I want you to know how much I had to let go of. I simply had to let go of nothing when I came to the Lord because I came to Him just as I am. I didn't try to clean myself up. I didn't try to make myself right. I did not try to get all my spiritual ducks in a row. I came to Jesus just as I am. And when Jesus Christ and His Spirit came inside of my heart, He purged everything that was in my heart that was not lining up with His will. It was not lining up with His Word. And and the Spirit of God purged everything that was not right in me. So the things that I had to get rid of, I didn't get rid of anything. The Spirit of God came in and cleansed me and purged me from all the things that was not lining up with Him. And then when he, after he done that, I had no desires anymore for the things I used to do, for the things I did love, and the things I wanted to go out and do. I had no desire because God and His Spirit purged all of that out. And when you come to the Lord and you receive forgiveness, I want to encourage you that there is nothing in this world, nothing can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8 and 39, For nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. I don't know what you have done. I don't know what you have been up to. I don't know what trap you have fallen into. But this morning, I want to tell you that there is nothing in this world, no devil in hell can can separate you from the love of God. There is still today, there is still forgiveness at the foot of the cross. Did Jesus not shed his blood for you? Did Jesus not die on the cross so that you and I can be free this morning? That you and I can come into a better relationship with him this morning? I want to encourage you this morning that it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter what you have said or what you have thought. Jesus Christ can still forgive you. You may may say, well, you just don't know the sins I've committed. You just don't understand understand how bad it's been, but I want to uh, encourage you once again that the only sin that cannot be forgiven are the simple ones that you will not confess. Uh, All you've got to do is confess unto Him, and He is faithful and just to forgive you for your sins, for His name is Jehovah Nose, the Lord that has already forgave me. Did you not think that He understands the situations that you are in, that you are going to fall into? Do you not realize that Jesus already knew the life that you were going to live before you came to him? Do you not realize that he already knew the things that you have done? And do you not realize the things that he will forgive you for? He is Jehovah Nosei. The God that has already forgave me. And he has already made a way out for you and for I to come and have forgiveness at the cross.
And next, it's justification. And through salvation, you and I, we are justified. Romans 3, 24. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2, 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even when we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. This is one of the most important verses here where it mentions uh, justify and law in the same scriptures. Romans 3.23 again states that we have all fallen short of the glory of God. I want to tell you this morning, since we have all fallen short of the glory of God, you and I this morning, we can't justify our sins by our own works. Now, you can ask for forgiveness to, for somebody if they've done wrong unto you or vice versa. You can even forgive yourself for the things that you have done unto others. But even through, even through forgiving others and forgiving yourself does not forgive your sins. You are not, we are not justified by works. But in Christ, God declares all who believe as righteous, imputing divine righteousness to them apart from human merit. Meaning the ones that have uh, believed they ought to receive glory or they ought to be praised or lifted up. In justification, the guilty are pardoned. We are acquitted. We are forgiven. If you want to know what justification means, it means simply this. As though I have not sinned. If when we come to Christ, the, the characteristics of salvation is that you and I are justified as if, as, as if we have not sinned. Now, this experience does not happen automatically to everyone. God justifies as he unites to Christ, as it takes place only through the channel of human faith. Now, I want to read this very slowly. Faith is the means, not the source of justification. Faith is trust. It begins with knowledge, so it is not blind. It builds on facts. So it's not uh, speculated. It stakes its life on the outcome, so it's not impractical. Faith is trusting Christ and proving his promises. Through the gift of salvation, we are justified through faith. For we are saved by grace through faith. By faith, we are justified through Jesus Christ for the things that we have done. How, how great is it that when we come to Jesus, all the things that we have done, all the things that we have, have uh, or even the things that we're going to do, just how great it is that you and I this morning, we are justified. And next, it's, it's righteousness. Romans 3.22, Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, Unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And Romans 1 and 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. What does it mean to be righteous? 
Through Jesus Christ and our relationship with him, he wants us to be righteous before him. To be righteous simply means to be right. To be right. Now, before any ladies raise your hand, don't nudge your husband, don't point at your husband and say, "Uh uh-huh, the pastor's preaching to me right now. I told you last night I was right. I am righteous and I told you that. Let's keep peace in the church now. (laughs) <laughs> to be right to me to be right now in the in the right meaning in the right relationship not only to others but also unto God through salvation and the gift of salvation you and I are made righteous we are made right and that is the key this morning as we step in into the new year that we are in the right relationship with the father that we are righteous before him <laughs> To be righteous, it simply means to be right before God in the right relationship, not only to God, but unto others. Now, one more. Now, this last one, I want to say this. The last one I I truly feel is the most profound characteristic of salvation. With it even being profound, to me, it's still the most hardest thing to do for believers and also for the church. And that is simply commitment. Commitment. Salvation is commitment. And also, if you were to ask me what my thought is on the most feared scripture or feared verse throughout scripture, it will be simply this. Matthew 7, 21, 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of the Father, there it is, but he that doeth, or in other words, he that commits the will of my Father which is in heaven, me will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many works. And here's the third verse right here. And then will I profess unto you, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that worketh iniquity or sin or sin-filled nature. Luke 6, 26. And why call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things that I ask? How can it be that we go to church all of our lives and we go to church thinking that we are in the right relationship and thinking that we are doing the things that we're supposed to do only to come to that one day, only to step over into the into the pearly white gates and see, finally get to see the face of Jesus, only to hear him say, Depart from me, you work with the iniquity, I never knew you. And you may even ask me this. Well, The verse that you just read, did they not do all the things in his name? Did they not prophesy his name? Did they not cast out devils in his name? To me, that don't sound legit. Why would it be that if if they done things for him and done things in his name, why would he do that? Because it was through their own self-works. It was through their own hands. They didn't have a relationship. They didn't have a commitment with God. And it's one thing that in this day and time, the world we're living in today, they they are advertising that there is a there that there's a false way to salvation. There's not the the thing that the world is trying to advertise to us and to the church today is not a true way of salvation. 
They're trying to get us to believe that just because you and I profess Jesus, a denomination, or a belief, or religion, that we can make it in. But that is not the case. We cannot go every day and we cannot profess Jesus, Jesus, and think that's the way we're going to make it into heaven. And I I mean this 100% with all love and humility in my heart when I say this. It seems like today the things that go towards the world, we have all the energy to do those things. But yet when it comes to the things of our eternity, when it comes to things of the Lord, when it comes to things of the church, we don't have time for it. We don't have the energy to do it. Well, I'll get to it later. Well, I'll I'll do it. I'll start a new plan. I'll start something new next week. And it's like we are not committed anymore. We're not committed to prayer. We're not committed to Scripture. We're not committed in attendance the house of the Lord, we have fallen as a body of Christ in commitment to the will of the Lord. We have fallen to the commitment of the Lord. But then, by us not committing to the Lord, by us not doing the things that we're supposed to do, how many times have you and I felt the pricking of our spirit and heart to go and do something, whether it be prayer, reading, or going to church, and we push it off because our flesh is overriding our spirit and we have fallen out of commitment. But here's the key. Here's the thing. When us not being committed, when we go through trials and situations, when we go through battles, what's the first thing we want to do? We want to call upon the name of the Lord and say, Lord God, help me through this. Lord, Lord, get me out of this. But in the same sense, when we have, when have we committed to Him? We can't go our whole life and not devote and not commit to the Lord and only use Him only when we need Him. And it's like we... we, we uh, and we call upon the name of the Lord and God pulls out the book of works and he says, you call upon my name, but the last time you called upon my name was six months ago, right before you hit the ditch, you grabbed the handle and said, oh God. It may sound humorous to some, but I'm telling you the truth. We only call upon God when it's convenient for us, but we don't want to commit anymore. And it seems like when we don't commit, we expect God to still move. And still, we expect God to still bless. But God's still thinking the whole time, when have you committed to me? Commitment is the hardest thing for the church and for Christians today to commit. Because we've got so much distraction in this world in this day and time. We've got work. We've got jobs. We've got, now we've got technology uh, uh, going haywire, going crazy. We've got Facebook. We've got social media. We've got all these things. We've got uh, our favorite TV shows that come on each and every night. And we've got all these things distracting us. But when we are committed, when we finally make our minds up that I will serve the Lord, I will be committed in 2020. I will do the best that I can. I will devote myself. I will seek the face of God while it still can be found. Will you agree with me that this church, you and I together, we will commit more and more to the things of the Lord. And as I close, we're stepping into the vision that God has laid before us in the new year. And it's so important before anything else, before we ever experience anything else, that you and I this morning, that we are in the right relationship with God. If we are not in the right relationship, all these other things will not amount to anything. 
Ask yourself this morning, as my wife prepares to minister to you in song, ask yourself this question, I'm closing. What kind of relationship do you have with the Lord? If you can't answer that right now, just like that, start examining your heart. Start examining your spirit. I open up these altars, and I ask that you come. If you have any doubt or any questions about the relationship that you have with the Lord, and even if you think that I have the right relationship, if you've got that slightest little thought, I'd rather you come this morning and make it right with the Lord than to go your whole entire life thinking you are in the right relationship, thinking you are in the will of God, only to find yourself at the, at, at the pearly gates in heaven, at the great white throne of judgment, only to hear him say, depart from me. You that work up the iniquity, I never knew you. You've got a chance. You've got an opportunity to make things right with the Lord, to have that right relationship. Because the uh, scripture teaches us that this is the day of salvation. Now you may say, well, I may wait till tomorrow. Well, I don't feel it today. I don't feel today's my day. We're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised the moment we leave these doors. Our life is a vapor. You're here for this moment, but in a moment, you're gone. Don't put it off. If you got that slightest little thing telling you or any doubt, let's make it right, Lord. Let's all stand as we get ready and worship the Lord as my wife uh, begins to minister in song.